Hey guys, welcome back to Kindled. I am your host, Haley. So I have a excellent episode for you today with Nikki Truesdell, all about homeschooling. And you know, this is a timely episode because we are at the end of the school year. Kids are finishing up, wrapping up their 2022 spring semester. And some families are considering uh, what they're going to do in the fall. Some people might be switching, looking to get out of public or private and homeschool, maybe needing some more information, or whether they can continue to homeschool, perhaps, and uh, need support or encouragement in that area with that decision. And so um, I wanted to bring on an expert, someone that could be a great resource for you. Um, Also, I will say that obviously in the era of COVID, the last two years we have seen a very large influx of new homeschooling families uh, due to obviously the in-person schooling going away due to a lot of parents starting to become aware of what their kids were learning and um, frankly also just due to parents enjoying the time that they had with their kids and finding that there was a way for them to make that work long term and keep the kids at home. And, uh, you know, a lot of people's jobs went virtual. And so we just live in a very different era than we did um, even several years ago. And um, before I play our conversation, I will let you know that um, I did homeschool as a kid, but I don't currently homeschool my kids. And, uh, you know, obviously it's an extremely personal decision. But it's something that I really look back on my own education and appreciate very much. And so um, it's something that I I guess is kind of always on the table for our family. Um, We're just not currently doing it. And so I did conduct this interview and ask the questions that I asked from the perspective of someone who is curious about it and kind of wants to know what is it really like and could I really handle it? Could I do it with multiple different ages and, you know, working part time and, is it something that's feasible? And so I just found Nikki's perspective and encouragement very uplifting, very um, positive, and, you know, just helping helping me to see that, like she says, anyone can homeschool. There are so many obstacles each of us individually have to overcome, and I, I don't, you know, I'm not here to say that everyone should be homeschooling or has to homeschool. I'm sure that everyone shouldn't. But for the person who does feel a draw or a curiosity or a conviction or a desire to do that and you just need some encouragement, some help, some resources, some someone to come alongside you and say, you can do this, you are not alone, here's where to start, I think that this episode will be encouraging for you. So with that, I will get into the conversation. Um, the only other announcement is that we only have one episode left. Next Monday is the final episode of this season of Kindled. And so that will air on Memorial Day. And then I'm going on summer break. So you will not get any new content from me for June and July. So um, if you want to continue to hear from me, you can join us inside Firestarters at Kindled Podcast locals.com and sign up. It's 10 bucks a month. You get uh, new episodes every Friday and um, you'll, you'll still be hearing from me once a week. It'll just be on the Locals app. So, uh, okay, I think that's it. So here is my conversation with Nikki Truesdell. So hello, Nikki. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited. 
so thank you so much for being here on Kindled. Um, before we get into our topic, why don't you tell listeners who you are and a little bit about yourself and your life? Okay. Well, my name is Nikki and I live in Texas and I have five children and a husband. And um, my goal in life is to help as many people to homeschool as possible. And so my blog, my books, everything that I do pretty much centers around that because I believe that anyone can homeschool. And the reason that I believe that um, started when my parents took me and my sister out of school in 1983 and started homeschooling us. And my mom did not graduate from high school and my dad did. And that was it. So um, going back that far, homeschooling in the 80s, there were no co-ops and university models and a hundred thousand different curriculums to choose from. It was very different then, but my parents had a conviction and they found a way to do it. And so that started me thinking when everyone would say, I can't homeschool because of this or that, I would think, hey, we did, you know, we did Mm -hmm. in this situation and this situation and this one. And then I became a parent and I have been through almost all of the difficult situations that people say make it impossible, including being a single mom, a working mom a single working mom, a working married mom, um, chronic illness in our house, no budget, everything that makes people say, I can't do it. We did that. And so as I would talk to people and they would say, I can't because of this, I would go, oh yeah, you can. <laughs> I've been there. Here's what we did. And, and I was always saying, yeah, anyone can do this. And that just became my motto for years. And then my husband said, you know, you should just really write a book and, and help people to see, because I was giving long speeches or typing long comments to people online. And so um, into my last summer, one year ago, I published Anyone Can Homeschool. And that book basically tells the story of education, how it really works versus what the public school system does. And then I also have uh, chapters devoted to different circumstances, like not having any money or having Mm -hmm. to work and be a single mom, having children with special needs. And so I told my story, but I also interviewed other parents that have the same situation. Mm -hmm. And and the neat thing is every single story is different. And so that's what I want people to understand is doesn't matter what your circumstances are. You can do this just like you shop for groceries different or you clean your house differently. You raise your kids differently than the person next door. You can homeschool Mm -hmm. in whatever way you need to, to fit your circumstances. So anyway, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hopefully um, that tells you a little bit about who I am. I have five yeah. kids, two are grown. Um, I have two daughters that are adults and one of them is married to the baby. I have my first grandchild oh, and I still have three children at home that I'm schooling and they are 10, 13 and 15. So I'm still in it. Um, I've been homeschooling for 21 years and still have a ways wow. to go. Wow. That's incredible. Uh, as I mentioned to you before we started recording, I'm actually, I was homeschooled too, and I'm the oldest of five, uh, kids. So some similarities there. And, um, and then I went to university model school, which my parents started after I got into like algebra. And my mom was like, I can't do this. I don't know what I'm doing here. And (laughs) I can relate. (laughs) Yeah. She was like, I'm over it. Nope. I need some help. And so they started it with just like one or two different classes. And then eventually it grew into like a full-fledged university mile school, um, which Mm -hmm. I really loved, uh, you know, that, that model, because it gave me, you know, one thing I loved about being a homeschooler was that I got to focus on 
the subjects that I loved and the things that I felt really good at and proficient at. And for me, that was writing and grammar. I mean, I know it's weird, but I just loved, I'm the same way. I loved, you know, uh, I did Shirley grammar. I remember just being Mm -hmm. like a year ahead, then two years ahead. And my mom was like, Oh my goodness, you know, I can't keep up with you. And I just loved, I loved that. I got to hone in on something that I enjoyed and do more of that thing. It's not like I wasn't doing the other subjects, but Mm -hmm. I got to really focus, which, you know, truthfully made all of my high school years very clear to me that I liked writing. So I joined the yearbook staff and wrote and designed for that. And then, you know, that showed me that I wanted to go to journalism school. And so I got that degree and that showed me that I liked web design. So I, you know, I ended up doing that um, and shifting more into digital media, but, but really like all of that was possible because I had the opportunity to, to spend extra time and to kind of and tell my mom, like she knew what I liked and, and be like, I want to do more of that. You know? Yes. Um, I'm sure you've seen that with your own kids. Yeah. And and in fact, I did with myself too. We started homeschooling when I was in the sixth grade Mm. and uh, we used ACE curriculum and then a little bit of Rod and staff back then. And I remember when I got my government book, um, I loved it. It was so fascinating to me. And I would just do pages and pages and pages of that book because I could. And and it really kind of spurred a love of the founding fathers and a love of American history and not just the history, but the constitution and, mm-hmm. and, and how those men came together to form something like that. And, and I've loved it ever since. But I remember so clearly those days when I would just read another page and do another page and, and I would give myself speeches and quotes mm-hmm. to memorize by the founding fathers that my mom did not require, but I was mm-hmm. so fascinated that I chose it. And so yeah. I, just like you, that's exactly what homeschooling can do, no matter mm-hmm. what the interest. Yeah. What I want to talk to you about is, you know, some of, some of what you covered in the article, which is how I found you. And that was the blog post that you wrote called, it does not take 12 years to educate a child. Mm-hmm. And I know that that, that got a lot of traction for you, right? you got a, a lot of new oh my followers gosh. that. Yes. Yes. I appreciate you sharing that. No, it has no, been I my number one me. post for months. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, you shared it and it kind of revived it after mm-hmm. a couple months, but that's been the most popular post I've had for a long time. That's, that's great. Well, it, it really hit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it was just, well, it was well-timed and well-written and, um, you know, really revealed a lot of, uh, truth about the history of education, which, um, most people don't know, you know, just frankly, most people have no idea about, and maybe we understand that, yeah, there used to be one, one room schoolhouses, yeah. like little house in the prairie days. We get that, but we don't really understand the implications of how the system has changed and, and yeah. changed education and, and is right. <laughs> right. I, I, exactly. Um, so I want to start there. Uh, you know, what, what, what did education used to look like and how is that different from today? And I know you wrote a whole book about this, so I, I, I know you can't go into like absolute depths with this, but um, you know, if you could kind of give us some of the high points. Well, um, a lot of you are probably familiar with classical education and that is absolutely what was happening for most people up until the 21st, no, the 20th century. Um, 
and it didn't look like we know it now. Like homeschoolers know what classical education looks like and you can buy a whole set of curriculum. It, it came in a lot of different forms, but classical education just follows three different stages, you know, for the younger kids and then the middle kids and then the older, and it doesn't come with grade levels and it doesn't come with ages, but it's stages of teaching children um, facts and information, and then how to use that information as, as they progress in their education. And it mostly did not require textbooks, but they used real books for centuries just to learn history, to learn science, which they called philosophy way back in the day. And so um, the people just, just for example, in, in the United States, our founders grew up with this kind of education that centered on real books. They didn't have a school book for every subject and a whole stack of other books to go with that. They just, they read the classic writers all the way back to ancient Greece and Rome and through the centuries. And mm -hmm. they learned their English, uh, their proper use of English through reading that. It's so simple, but it's so mind boggling too, how they did it. And they, like I say in the article, they might've had a tutor or they might've just read books at home. They may have had parents who spent a lot of time on the education and they may not have. They may have gone to a local school and they may not have. There was nothing required by law. And so everyone did it differently, but the methods were very similar. And that was read, study the writing, uh, remember the important parts and be able to tell back what you learned, which we now call narration. Um, Charlotte Mason, talks a lot about that and her methods. Um, and then copy work was used just, just to practice writing in the ways that the very smart people did. Mm -hmm. And um, the narration is just telling back what you've learned. So you don't need a quiz or a test. You just talk, you talk about what you've learned and you can debate, you can ask more questions or you can um, explain to someone else. And so for centuries, education wasn't any one normal thing, but it all followed a pattern that was very similar to that because books were expensive and rare. So everyone didn't have a library to go to, but whatever they had, they used in similar ways. And then in America, it, it uh, took on its own life with readers. And as you know, the one room schoolhouse. And by the time the 20th century came, and this is what I talk about in my article, there was not one thing that turned us into a, a system of public education, but it was a lot of world events, including two world wars with men going off in the thousands to fight and, and a lot of them not coming back, but also women being forced to help out in industry because all of a sudden we had a booming factory system in this country. So, so many things just kind of piled up to make it where kids needed a place to go. And I, and I think that's a really sad thing because that's when we started to really see the breakdown of the family unit right, for a lot right. of different reasons. Some were for money, some were just because it was a, you know, it's the American patriotic thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, but um, again, as I say in that article, there were some pretty sinister men and women behind the new system that turned it into something that we shouldn't want any part of today. I'm going to interrupt this episode to tell you about our first sponsor of today, and that is a new book from Very Good Creations. The book is called The First Week. The First Week is the beginning of a series of biblical and historical adventures of a young boy named Christian traveling throughout time to witness God's truth unfold. 
Follow the story of Christian, this five-year-old boy, as he travels back to witness God's creation under the protection of an angel. This book is perfect for children ages two to six, but it's good for early readers as well. The book is great because it actually breaks down creation in a way that your child's mind can understand and comprehend, and it will help you answer some of those tough questions about creation. Go to verygoodcreations.com and use the promo code Haley20 to receive 20% off your whole cart at checkout. Verygoodcreations.com and use the promo code Haley20 for 20% off. Yeah. So that gets us to, you know, the government education system today. Um, what are, you know, what are some of the major differences um, that, you know, that brought about the system that we see today and how that was set up? Because like you're saying, like, how do you go from how and why do you go from just reading a book like a classic, like Homer's Odyssey or Plato's Republic? But I mean, how do you go from reading classics like that to approaching education so differently the way it is now, where it's like, you've got your math class, you've got science class, and you almost kind of have to become an expert in each of these subjects as a, as a young child. Uh, I think, you know, like I said, this happened um, for many reasons, but one of the main things was that government got involved and that the way they did was to copy a method called the Prussian model, which Prussia was Germany before it was Germany. And they had started experimenting with grade levels and classrooms for each grade level and um, a system that was more structured and required and overseen by the government. Mm -hmm. And anytime you get government involved in something, you pretty much suck the life out of it. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what happened with public education in America. It kind of started happening over the first two or three decades of the 20th century, but by the 1940s, 40s, it really became normal. Mm-hmm. And um, compulsory education was a big deal. And so all of a sudden, people went from voluntarily sending their kids to the school, because it sounded like, oh, they're, they're expanding, they're doing more, it's really cool, to you have to send your kids now. And if you don't, you could get arrested for truancy or neglect, mm-hmm. you know, as the decades went on. And so it went from, what do you know, show us what you know, pass this exam, to um, we're going to test the life out of these kids without actually teaching them real content. And like you said, they went from reading classics to reading a textbook with a page about the classics and then a lot of opinion um, yeah. because the government only grows. Every government bureaucracy only gets bigger. And when they put the government in charge of education, what does it do? It gets bigger and bigger and bigger and requires more and more and more. Right. And to, and now here we are with something that doesn't even look like education a hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and even the discussion of like relating back to your article of adding years, right. Adding, um, yeah. starting kids with preschool at three or was yeah. it f- three or four? I can't remember. Uh-huh. Did you hear yeah. that recently? Uh, yes. Yes. Like, wasn't that Biden? And it was starting to be pushed in the Obama administration. I have an okay. old, old blog post about that, that they wanted universal preschool back then. Right. And, and it, to me, it is just, a, um, at this point, I don't trust the government. I know you're the same way. So mm-hmm. um, while there are wonderful, kind, 
very nice teachers in the system, they're still holding to the government system. Mm -hmm. They have to toe the line. And that government system is run by people who don't love our kids and don't have the family um, at the center of this nation, but they want to take our kids and indoctrinate them. And I know that that sounds conspiracy theorist to a lot of people, but it's only because they have not done their research. Mm -hmm. The more you read, the more you read from the people behind the scenes, the more you realize this is ugly and um, it's, it's not about education anymore. And it's certainly not about children advancing and um, being intelligent and doing the best for our country. Right. And uh, yeah, we, we talk about that word indoctrination, um, you know, when it comes to public school, but, and we say it in a negative way when we say it regarding how they want to educate our kids. But, you know, I heard Ali Stuckey talk about that and she was like, you know, in reality, Christian parents want to indoctrinate their kids too. And and we're supposed to, but it's just the difference is it's with the truth. And so it's not that the indoctrination you know, by definition is wrong. It, it matters what you're being indoctrinated with. And that is where, you know, we, we differ because, uh, you know, we do from the same token, we are indoctrinating our children, but that's our job as parents. And that, you know, and it It says to raise them up in the way they should go. And, um, and so that's what we need to do. Um, you know, and, and I don't want to get into quite yet whether, you know, whether and how you do that when you're in the public school, cause that's, you know, Mm -hmm. a whole nother episode, and you are a homeschool expert. So we're going to talk about yeah. homeschooling. This <laughs> I can do homeschooling all day. Yes. Um, but you say that parents need to kind of rethink the K through 12 system. Um, for you, what are, you know, what, what is the driving force behind that? What are your like, you know, top three to five reasons that you, that you say that? Well, a lot of it came from my own personal experience as a homeschool mom. Mm-hmm. Um, I talk a little bit about this in my book, but some of my um, lessons came from hard times. And one of those is that you can start a child much later than five years old in school in, in all the basic, very important subjects, and they catch on faster and they retain it better than if you're trying to drill, drill, drill five-year-olds, six-year-olds, yeah. seven-year-olds. And I learned this because um, when I was, I actually had a very abusive first marriage and ended up running away uh, from that husband and took my two little girls and they were two and six at the time. And I was already homeschooling. I had no, there was no question that we would keep doing it. And so my, my goal was how do we eat? How do we survive? We're going to keep doing this now what? And so sometimes there was not any school happening for a long time. I, I ended up buying a store and trying to run it and, um, my second daughter missed a lot of what we would consider kindergarten and first grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt worried and concerned. And then when things settled down, life got a little bit more normal. I jumped in with teaching her to read and she was eight. Well, that would cause most people to gasp and think, oh no, you're messing them up. They're going to be behind. Um, what I learned was she learned how to read much faster than my older daughter who had learned starting at five. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Both of them started reading independently for pleasure at the same age, but they, one had started earlier and one had started later. Mm -hmm. So I I realized it didn't matter. And with my first daughter, there was a lot of um, 
teeth pulling and her hair pulling, mm-hmm. not teeth. <laughs> there yeah. were tears. There was a lot of frustration. And, you know, right. I was like, you've got to do this. You're in kindergarten. And right. uh, that poor girl, she was the guinea pig. And I will say she turned out fine. But yeah. I learned with all of the subsequent children that you can delay educational uh, milestones that people think have to be happening in these certain grades. Mm. Um, and so I learned with math, the same thing that they don't have to start math in, in first grade or whatever. Um, and when people say, what do you recommend for this grade? I, I can't hardly even answer that question because I don't know what grade levels are addressed as anymore in a public school. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't think that way. So I just say, well, you know, if they're lower elementary, try this. Right. Um, but what I realized was kids don't need um, 12 years of grammar. It's just repetitive over and over and over. There's only so much grammar you can learn. Um, there's only so much you can do with reading and phonics until you just let them start reading books. You don't have to drill spelling for years and years. And so all of this was learned through experience, Mm -hmm. sometimes because I read someone else was saying it. And sometimes because my lifestyle demanded, we got to put some stuff aside and we're going to do just this. And so by the time I had my fourth and fifth kids, I learned we only start with reading and nothing else. And when they have gotten to where they can read independently, then we start a math curriculum. Mm-hmm. And, and that goes against what most people think, but all of my kids read independently and well, and my adult children read classics that most adults don't read. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would not say that they were behind or a failure in any way. And I forgot the actual question that you asked me, but hopefully I. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, you did answer it. I said, I said, why do you say parents need to rethink the K through 12 system? So what, what are your top reasons? And yeah. So the first one being your own experience. Yes. The other one would be like, I uh, outlined a lot in the article is just reading history because history is one of my favorite things. And, and I just devour books that were written by people who lived it. And Little House on the Prairie is a great example, but there's so many more that show um, school wasn't what we think of today. There was no such thing as K-12, but we produced people who could write a constitution and start a whole new country Mm -hmm. and then invent all the things that Americans have invented for the last 200 years. I mean, if you think about what America accomplished on that kind of education, it should make everyone, everyone rethink Mm K-12. And I'm not saying we haven't continued to invent wonderful things because the 20th century is just like an uh, amazing explosion but I'm saying we got to the 20th century on a very basic kind of education. And, and before K-12, we already had people flying airplanes yeah. and inventing the automobile. And so mm-hmm. what, you know, point. it didn't take K through 12 and college um, graduates to do half mm-hmm. of that stuff. My final sponsor of today is Cornerstone Curriculum. Now is the time to start thinking about curriculum for this fall. And this sponsor is going to make your decisions around what you teach your children in regards to biblical worldview incredibly simple. I completed their four-year program, 
Worldviews of the Western World in high school. And they have many other resources available for students of all ages. This is not only for homeschool families, although it is perfect if you do homeschool. Um, even if your kids are in a private or a public school, they have resources for you. They have a Answers for Difficult Days Bible Study, Starting Points Worldviews Primer, video series, so much more. Check out their website at cornerstonecurriculum.com and be sure to use the coupon code KINDLED for 5% off. That's KINDLED for 5% off and visit their website at cornerstonecurriculum.com. Right, and by the same reasoning, we could also look at society today, culture today, and deduce that, you know, actually, um, we're a lot worse off than they were because we now can't tell the difference between a man and a woman. We don't know, you know, we, we call uh, them birthing people or chest feeders. You know, it's like the, the level of insanity that we have escalated to, I think is in large part due to the results of, you know, the K through 12 system the way it is, and that it does a, an excellent job at indoctrination and a terrible job at education. Um, and I would like to say, just yeah. like you're pointing out about, um, we've got people who don't w- refuse to tell the difference between a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is something that should make parents rethink K-12 because if the school, they claim to teach science, they claim to teach biology, but they also have posters in the hallway that say you can be whatever you want to be, then they don't believe in science anymore. You're and right. why are yeah. we letting them teach our kids science? Mm-hmm. They're not qualified anymore. They are no longer qualified to teach our kids science if they believe that kind of insanity. Right. Yeah, that's a, it's a great point. I mean, and, and I, I would say, I mean, just in the last five years, even it has just gotten so blatantly obvious what is going on inside the schools. And mm-hmm. some of that is due as well to COVID and what was mm-hmm. revealed through the last couple years of school. Yeah. Online or, you know, oh, we don't want your parents to be in the room while you're learning or no, you're not allowed to come into the building. And parents like, wait, what? Like, I can't a huge red flag. Right. So there's, you know, some things that have happened that I think have a lot of people, um, you know, questioning and, and really actually taking a good hard look at, uh, whether they want their kids in that environment and, um, whether they have options that they could pursue that are, you know, that are either alternatives or some version of homeschooling or pod schooling or whatever it may be um, that I, I know people who have really um, broken out of that box and are, they're like, I'm never going back, you know, and, and they yeah. love it. There's so many ways to do it. And that's what I want people to understand is um, homeschooling is not public school at home. It's not the same books on the same schedule. It's raising kids and teaching them things. And, and I've said before, it's just parenting with school supplies Mm -hmm. and it's not nearly as hard or scary as people think it is. And like I've said, it doesn't take 12 years. It also doesn't take $12,000 a year per student, which is Mm -hmm. what the public school system spends, give or take. And you can do it on a shoestring budget. You can do it on a work schedule. There's so many different ways to do it that right. there's, I, I, I know I can think of a few very extreme cases where it's literally not possible, but I can say that in almost every situation, it actually is. Mm-hmm. Well, right. And like you said, you, you kind of 
you know, uh, unfortunately, but fortunately God has used your, you know, the difficulties in your life to actually make you an authority on the subject and be able to say, look, I've actually done it in those seasons that, that a lot of people challenge and say, I can't do it. Um, like you did it. And, and so that's, that's something that, uh, is, is helpful at least in giving you that authority to speak to those issues because, um, you know, a lot of us don't haven't lived all those experiences. And I understand, like, I don't know what your life is like. And, Mm -hmm. and I know, I know my life and I know that I don't necessarily have the desire to full on homeschool right now, but I, I definitely see the value in not being in the public school system, just the way that it's headed, the way that it is now. Um, you know, and, and I, I think that I'm glad, I'm glad for the last 18 months that have actually revealed to a lot of people that they could do it and that they like being around their kids. You know, I mean, so many people, um, I know so many people use school as a form of childcare, but there's a lot of families that, um, you know, like mine, we never spent more time together than we did in 2020 and 2021. And my husband was, and still is home. And it's, it's amazing. Like, I love it. I'm like, I never want to go back to you being (laughs) in an office five days. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I know everyone's situation is different, but it's helpful that, you know, you kind of provide, and like you said, you walk through in the book, different ways that people can kind of navigate those different situations. Yeah. So, um, what do you say to parents who don't want to homeschool? What if it's not just, they can't, but they don't want to, um, what do you say to someone who would, who would say, I just, I, it's not for me. Like, I'm just not really patient enough. I'm not the teaching type. I don't enjoy teaching. What's your response to that? Um, well, obviously that's going to be a hurdle to overcome, but I, I will say I have a lot of friends who used to say the same thing and they're full-time homeschoolers and would never look back now. Mm. And so, um, I think God can help us change our attitude about it. And it could be that they have a view of homeschooling that might be false. Mm -hmm. It may be that they see it as something that it really isn't um, so I would say if, if it just sounds like it's too hard or too much trouble, you know, you may give up some free time. Um, just think about summer, you know, when the kids are home, it's summertime. Do, do your kids get on your nerves? <laughs> Obviously, every kid can push their mom's buttons. But I, I see so many parents that say, oh, our summer was so great. I hate to send the kids back to school and I always want to go. But you don't have to. You can live that life at home. And it doesn't have to be an eight to three school day every day, because not only does it not take 12, uh, 12 years, it doesn't take eight hours a day. I promise it does not take eight hours a day. And it's not just sitting at a desk all day long. It's actually just a lifestyle. It's fun. You get to have conversations with your kids. You get to know them so much more intimately. Um, You get to have the freedom to come and go as you please. Mm-hmm. We take vacations when no one else does. We take our vacations during the school year because it's so much more fun. It's less crowded. Mm-hmm. We can pick up and go whenever we want. We set our own schedule. So no one's telling us when to do anything or how to do it. Um, it's it's like, I always, when someone asks me this, I have so much trouble putting into words, but you can't imagine the difference that your family will the difference in public school family and homeschool family, the whole lifestyle is so different, so much closer, so much uh, bonding happens. 
and um, I don't know how to express it without you doing it and saying, wow, this is so much different than I thought it was. Mm -hmm. It's a blessing. It's not drudgery. It's not painful. As long as you don't make school the whole part of your life, it's just having your kids at home all day and doing fun things with them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which we've gotten away from largely like because of the K through 12 system, like Mm -hmm. before that parents were home with their kids, you know, the only reason it's in our brain that, oh, like the kids go back to school in the fall and, oh, they're going to be out of the house when they're six, they're going to be out five days a week is because of that system. Otherwise that would have never been the case. And, And I realized that, you know, 2021 is not 1820. I get that, but Um, but some of those, (laughs) right. Like some of those, I, some of those things, like I said earlier, I I think just because we're advancing in time, doesn't mean we are advancing in, you know, like, uh, what's the word morality or ethics. Like we are regressing. We're not progressing and progressivism ironically does not lead to progress. It leads to, um, you know, the, the devolving of, of every standard and absolute and truth into, um, you know, uh, what's the word, uh, not oh, relativism and, and rel- right. everything is relative and, and there are no absolutes. Yeah. And, and so, you know, in, in a lot of ways, I think that it's important regardless of what choice someone ends up in. I think that it's really important that they seriously consider, the things that you talk about, the things that you share, you know, not only just in that blog post that I mentioned, but in your book, anyone can homeschool. Um, and that you regularly share about because, um, you know, for me, when I read that article, like, even though I'm not in public school right now and I don't ever plan to be, it was empowering to know that other people have educated children differently than we do today. Uh And those children, right. With great results. Those children are the ones who like you said, wrote the constitution, founded this nation. I mean, how it's like, they've got receipts. How can you argue with that? Like, look, look at the, the great minds that were arguably much more clear headed and grounded in truth than many most today. And 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 it's obvious too, when you try to read older books and older documents that we struggle to understand what those people were saying in English, not because they wrote in a different language, but because they were so far ahead of us intellectually, they use words we don't even know anymore. And so you can't say that we're somehow advanced. Maybe we fly to the moon, but we've got high school graduates who can't form a coherent sentence. I mean, so the standard of education has dropped so low. Why, why would we fight to protect that standard when not only could we have our kids at home and give them a Christian worldview, we can actually give them an excellent education mm-hmm. and they will be far in a way past what the normal education looks like today. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how hard it is uh, to help people see. It's not that those people didn't know what they were saying. It's that the older generations were so much more intelligent than we are today. Yeah. That's so true. I mean, yeah, it's like, cause today, and I just think about the conversations I have on social media with, you know, maybe not even the average populace. Like my, my audience is way, way, way different than the average, you know, mm-hmm. human mm-hmm. being in the United States. Like I'm aware of that, but, um, but even the conversations I have, like basic, 
you know, basic challenges to biblical truths or challenges Mm -hmm. to a biblical way of understanding the role of government in the life of the individual, people really struggle. They really Mm -hmm. struggle to think through, well, you know, or, you know, uh, well, why shouldn't we require vaccination, but we shouldn't have abortion. That doesn't make sense. You know, people struggle right. to think through those arguments because yes. they don't really know how to think they've never been taught how to think. And yeah. I'm not trying to be demeaning, but, and it's not even all of their fault. It's, it's a large, in large right. part due to the system, the it system is. taught them what to think and did not actually train them in how to reason, you know? And so, and and that's a lot of why I do this podcast because I want to help people do that, um, retroactively from, you know, it's like, Hey, you're, you're already out of school, but let's have some conversations about these things because they matter and they're really important to our lives. Well, also I would say, um, like you said, we have a whole generation of people that can't think for themselves. We also have a generation of Christians who are not bold because they've, come through a whole lifetime of public education that left God for number one, completely out of everything as if God did not exist. But if you read history with God still in the picture, you see the boldness of Christians throughout the centuries. Mm -hmm. And they either made a great difference in the world over and over and over again, uh, or they willingly gave their lives because they would not bow. They would not, Mm -hmm. um, I've lost my other word, but they wouldn't give in. And so now we also have a generation of Christians who are not bold Mm -hmm. and willing to say, this is what's right. Whether you agree with me or not, this is what the scripture says. Um, Or when it comes to the constitution or anything else that's so important, this is what it says and it works. Let's do that. Instead of saying, well, I I just don't want to offend people. I'm I'm not really Mm -hmm. sure. You know, we're lacking that because We've also got people who have been taught that the world pretty much existed without God for thousands of years, and we go to church on Sundays. Mm-hmm. But when when children get a Christian education, they and and their parents choose this Christian curriculum, wow, the difference is night and day in the understanding of the the history of the entire world and the history of the church, and how people throughout the ages have used the Scripture in their lives, and yeah. you know, great scientists and world changers. So many mm-hmm. of them are Christians, but they don't know that because yeah. the, it's all been left out there. Right. There is no neutral education. It's just that a uh, public school has its own religion and that's humanism. So true. Yes. Yes. The whole, you know, uh, the, back to what you're saying about that. We don't have bold Christians. Well, it's kind of no surprise when you are raised <laughs> in an environment that says like, look, Sally, you know, Susie is free to believe what she wants about Mm -hmm. how the world, you know, came to be, or, or actually maybe she's not free on that issue. Cause we already know it's (laughs) it's Darwinism only the other way, (laughs) the big bang theory. Right. But like, but when it comes to, you know, gender and sexuality or, um, you know, a number of different issues, all of a sudden it's like you said, it's anti-science. It actually goes against what we see. And so it's clearly coming from a, a different agenda. And as believers, we know there is nothing that is neutral. It's either, it's either of the light or it's of the dark. Right. And like Jesus said, like you are of your father, the devil, mm-hmm. that agenda is not one just coming from, you know, uh, someone, someone in the public school system up high, that agenda is coming from the devil himself. And I want to be careful and say, like you said earlier, that not everyone in the system 
is of their father, the devil. That's not what I'm saying. Right. I'm not saying every teacher isn't, is, is evil in the sense that they were trying to, you know, like distort, you know, children's minds and, and all of that right. corrupt them. There are a lot of good teachers. I know some of them personally mm-hmm. who are really seeking to be a light. And I think that that's admirable. And I, I, I respect I that do. choice. I respect that choice because I know that like a lot of kids in that system, that's the only light they'll ever see mm-hmm. was the one reflected by that teacher or that, um, you know, that counselor or whatever, maybe that, that aid. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I appreciate that there are people who are willing to do that as sort of a ministry, you know, and, and I would yeah. say that's probably what it really is. Um, but we also need to consider the fact that as parents, um, you know, exposing our kids to that is, um, is going to result in, you know, in, in a a entirely different set of challenges. Doesn't mean it can't be overcome. And ultimately I I believe God is sovereign over someone's salvation. I don't believe homeschooling saves you and neither do you, (laughs) but you know, but as far as, um, the challenges that you, you know, expose your kid to and the things you'll have to overcome, Um, you know, I would say like, even in comparison, a private Christian school, we still have drama. We still have sinners. We still have little kids who are mean and bully. And I don't think that kids have it in our homeschool groups too. (laughs) Right. Right. You're going to have relational issues everywhere, but it's a matter of, you know, are the teachers coming from the same worldview you are, are the parents of the other children, when you have those issues and you have to text or call that parent and say, Hey, your daughter said this, you know, we need to address it. Is yeah. she going to be coming from a worldview? And, and I, I can't even guarantee in my school that she will honestly. Right. Um, but, but I can at least say, look, we've agreed. Cause we're on, we we've signed a statement of faith. You know, we've had our pastors submit. We've, we're both on the same page here. We have to come under that leadership and authority to some degree. And yeah. so there will be more likeness of thought and belief. Yeah. And I, and I like that. I like, I've heard from parents that left the public school system that the problems they encounter at our school are like, like level B, C problems, not like triple a crisis <laughs> issues. They're like, yeah. yeah, the drama that happens, like, yeah, of course we still have issues, but like, it's like yeah. B level, you know, and versus, right. you know, you're not I, discussing your your six-year-old sexuality. Yes. Instead, maybe they, someone called them a name, you know, yes. playing outside. It's right, a much right. different childhood. Right. Yeah. It's like full bore. I mean, you just see the spiritual battle, don't you? Like the, yes, it's coming to the surface and it is, it is I think for a lot of years, right. For a lot of years, you know, 20 years ago, it wasn't the way it is today. No, not at all. Oh, it's, it's gotten so much worse. And people, I, I remember I did go to public school you know, in the early eighties, but, and I remember that it was not great then, but wow, the not great then is so much different than the not great now. It's, it's some of the stuff is life altering and not in a good way. Right. Where, you know, that long ago, it was normal kid stuff. Yeah. There's nothing normal about what's happening now. And, And, you know, my heart is not to demonize parents who have their kids in public schools for one reason or another, like, it's not my choice. Those aren't my kids to steward, but I do think that it's really important that we all look really closely at what, how the system is different today than it used to be. Like you said, just the 20 years difference, uh, even 10 years, the difference that has, has happened. And also understand that, um, so we may have a lot of misconceptions about what those other options look like, like 
yes. homeschooling, like university model school or hybrids or different things that are available. And thankfully we live in an era, this progression or progressivism has actually led to a plethora of different options. Right. Yes. So that's a good thing. We live in a country where we still have those options because, you know, in France, they don't, they've outlawed homeschooling this year. Um, Other countries are very strict about it. And so we're very fortunate in the United States to have this freedom. And, and even from state to state, if you don't like the laws, I know a lot of people come to Texas because of our homeschooling laws. Uh, You can move around in the United States to get better homeschooling laws if you want to, but yeah, we have so much freedom, like I said, to do it in whatever way works at our house. It doesn't matter who you are or where you live or how you live. You can do this because there's not one right way. Right. Yeah, that's a great point. And that we need to kind of, I don't know. I mean, are you concerned that the direction that everything's headed is to remove our rights to homeschool in the U.S.? Like, do you see that as as something that's coming down the pike pretty, pretty quickly? Um. There's always been a threat. Um, We fight threats quite often, but I can see, you know, I think I read just this week that homeschooling families have doubled in number in the United States this year Mm -hmm. because of COVID. And so I'm really excited about it. And then it also makes me nervous because the government loses, they lose tax dollars for every Mm -hmm. kid that's not in a seat, they lose tax dollars. And so the more people that homeschool, the more the government's going to sit up and say, wait a second, we can't have this. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1983, when we first started homeschooling, we actually lived in Oklahoma and my parents got arrested for it. Um, right. Oh. It was in September. So right at the beginning of our very first school year, they were arrested. But um, it was so weird and new. You know, it was a very, very small town and, and someone reported there's some kids not at school. They came and arrested my parents. Um, <laughs> by the end of the day, they were released. Um, homeschool legal defense had gotten wind of it. And I don't know how they did. This was 1983. There was no internet, but someone got made some phone calls. And by the end of the day, they were released um, with a court hearing that was going to come up in the following year. And just with people making phone calls and praying By the time that court date rolled around, they dropped all the charges because Oklahoma had the right to homeschool written in their constitution, but nobody paid attention to that because nobody was doing it. Um, And then we moved back to Texas the next year and we, where it wasn't legal at the time. And um, I remember, I remember what it's like to homeschool when it's not legal and to stay home in the house. We didn't go out in the yard until after school hours. Uh, we didn't go to the store. We were very careful. I mean, when you get arrested, you're, you're a lot more careful. And uh, it wasn't until 94 that homeschooling was legalized in Texas. And so I remember that kind of thing. I remember that life. And um, it does concern me that we, we could be fighting that all over again. Um, but I, I put a lot of faith in our constitution and a lot of freedom loving people. And so I, I just try not to worry. I just trust God and, and keep doing what he's called us to do. Yeah, absolutely. And take advantage of the freedom while we have it. Uh, the more people that are enjoying any given freedom, when it is threatened, there's going to be that many more people who are disenfranchised right. by that and who will be willing to stand up and fight. But right. you know, if people aren't enjoying it, it's no sweat off their back for it to be taken away, you know, exactly. Um, one other question that I have, cause I've heard this from some friends, uh, and, and it's a question that, um, you know, might, 
might be one you've already addressed, uh, likely in your book, but what if the husband doesn't support or, you know, what if there's just one spouse that really wants to homeschool? And I don't know if that's the most likely scenario, but I, I do know people where that has been their situation. The wife really wanted to, but the husband for one reason or another is just skeptical that either the wife can do it or that it'll be good for the kids or that they're going to lose out on social exposure, all those things, you know, um, what would you say to that? that. Um, it breaks my heart because typically, typically it's a husband that says no, not always. And usually his reasons are not biblical. And that's what disturbs me the most, whether it's, they need to play on the football team or they should go to prom or they should have all the high school experiences or I don't want them to be weird. Um, you know, it's all pretty shallow reasons that I, that I have personally come across if a husband is not for it. However, I believe in the scriptures and they, they tell wives to honor their husbands and and that the husband is the head of the home. Mm -hmm. So I would never advocate doing it anyway, um, without your husband's blessing. That's just the recipe for disaster. Um, if a wife finds herself in that position, she needs to pray fervently. And if her husband is open to conversation, um, I think if they're Christians, go right to the heart of the biblical truths. And a really good book for that is um, one written by Israel Wayne called Education, Does God Have an Opinion? Mm. And it really, really opens your eyes to, um, in fact, I recommend that to everybody. It takes you way beyond good school, great football team. We get these high test scores, you know, all of that stuff. That's what the world looks at. This book helps you to see the heart of God in raising children. And I, I think it'd be really hard for anyone to read that and say, ah, that doesn't matter. It, a true Christian would be convicted by those things. And that's what I would suggest if, if a husband is open to conversation about it. Mm-hmm. And some of them aren't. I get that. Um, you just have to pray. You have to pray for God to open their hearts and open yeah. their eyes to see, to mm-hmm. see what they need to see to change their minds. Yeah, that's helpful. What about one other practical question? What about entertaining younger kids? Like if you have a child who is a toddler or, you know, a busy four-year-old, uh, and while you're trying to teach your first grader, you know, how do you, how did you navigate that as a homeschooling parent? Man, I did that because my kids are all spread apart in age. So I had um, a 15 year gap between the oldest and the youngest. Well, so there was always someone having school and someone mm-hmm. making a mess yes. <laughs> for a long, long time. Um, what I did was uh, there were a couple things. I would use nap time for the most important school subjects. And so mm-hmm. if the little ones were napping, that's when we would sit down and do the stuff that really required concentration. Another thing I did um, by the time I had about three toddlers running around together was I had a pretty strict schedule, um, color coded, hung up on the wall, and and I would schedule a little bit of school time and then a little bit of other time. Um, so we might have 30 minutes of a math lesson and then we'd switch to going out in the backyard for a little bit. And then we might sit down and do uh, a read aloud where everyone could sit and listen which took some training, but it's possible and let them play quietly. Um, I also utilized big kid with little kid because mine were, you know, at the right ages. So I could let a seven-year-old play with the two-year-old while I helped the 10-year-old have school, you know, um, and that really helped siblings to take some responsibility. They were in the house with me. They just might be in another room, but for 30 minutes, that big kid 
was going to entertain that little kid in, you know, playing or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. We used videos, we used snack time. Um, yeah. I rotated boxes of toys so that when I got it out, it was new and fun all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very possible, but you, you do have to have a plan and stick to it as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but also with little kids, I, I think it's important <clears throat> that we give them attention first thing in the morning. Mm. because if if they start off their morning with mom's too busy the rest of the day will just crash and so I did learn that it's nice to start the morning with them whether Mm. it's read them a story or sing together or play something learning activity or whatever it is do it with those little ones first then they're happy and they'll go off for a little while and play um without being cranky and fussy and feeling like mom's not listening mom's not paying attention to me yeah, that's, that's great. Those are all really good ideas. Um, final thoughts for the woman who's intrigued and listening or man, um, and is, is kind of maybe looking for that extra nudge. What, what, you know, what would be the encouragement you'd leave them with? My, um, encouragement would be as Christian parents to not think what is the, what's my lowest level of acceptance uh, for my kids' education, but what should I be shooting for? You know, we kind of reduce ourselves to, hey, our school's pretty good. You know, I can't complain. To and when instead we should be thinking, what kind of superior upbringing can we give our kids? How can we give them a Christian worldview a little bit every single day through their science studies, through uh, reading great classics, studying about government, reading history. Um, there's so much more to education than just marking off the list and doing what everybody else does. And so I I just would encourage Christian parents to think, how cool would it be if I was infusing my kids' school lessons every single day with a biblical worldview and possibly shaping arrows that I'm going to change the world with someday? Mm -hmm. And who knows what those kids will be called to do but what if I could equip them to be the best world changer they could be instead of saying, Hey, our school's not bad. You know, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> there, right. there's such a difference. And if we could learn to think with a, um, a generational vision, then I think we would all look at education very differently. Yes. So yeah, true. So yeah. yeah. I love Oops, I'm hearing so much feedback. Um, yeah. So that's, that's such good advice. And I love that you always take it back to that higher level, bigger vision that, you know, it's not just this decision here now, but what does this mean for the future of our family tree and of, you know, the way that God is, is using us as his people, um, for the kingdom. So yeah, that's so cool. Thank you so much, Nikki. Uh, where can people connect with you online? Well, I have a website that's just my name, Nikki And I'm also on Instagram, Facebook, Gab under that name. And um, I guess that's where you'll find everything you need to know. Yeah, definitely check out her blog. She has a ton of great articles. Um, And I I mean, again, that's how I found you. And uh, that if you have not read that article, it does not take 12 years to educate a child. You need to go do that. I'll make sure and link that in your website in the show notes so people can find it easily. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on. Thanks again. All right, guys, that's all I have for you today. Have a great week and I will see you back here next Monday.